Hi friends, welcome back to the My Brave Brain Podcast. My name is Cami Lutz, I'm your host, and thank you for joining me on this journey towards creating an awareness and acceptance of mental health and wellness. Hello friends, welcome back. Welcome to episode number two. We are getting the show on the road. This episode is going to be about my OCD story. For those of you who don't know, OCD stands for Obsessive Compulsive Disorder. I was diagnosed when I was 11 and dealt with that for about a year before we figured everything out. So I'm going to be talking about that. If you haven't already, go listen to the first episode. I kind of introduced myself, introduced the podcast, what it's going to be about, and we just are starting from there. Man, it has been a day, you guys. I had a really rough morning. I haven't had a morning like that in the longest time, and I had recorded this episode last night, and I wasn't super satisfied with it, and I knew that I wanted to redo it today. And this morning, I wasn't even sure if I was going to be able to do it tonight because I was just having such a rough time, but my mom helped me get all my stuff together, and I went to work, worked through it, and eventually everything passed, and I felt much better. And kudos to her. Thank you, mother, for really helping me um, just get through it. And, you know, it's it's days like these where you just got to know that things will pass as hard as they get and understand that you have those around you who love you to get you through the day. We're actually going to be making dinner tonight with my dad. My brother is out doing stuff and... I think he's like getting like going to a movie or something with one of his friends, but we actually watched the Kevin Hart documentary tonight and it was so interesting. I love watching different people and how they have gotten where they are and their perspective on life and it's really cool. I like it a lot. It's on Netflix if you guys want to watch it. It's called, I don't know if I can cuss, but it's called Kevin Hart Don't F This Up. LOL, I'm laughing at myself now. I'm probably going to be able to cuss in like a few episodes, but we're just playing it safe right now. I want to I want to start off on a good note here. <laughs> so, definitely check that out if you haven't already. Go watch that. And if you have any documentaries you guys like to watch, I love watching documentaries. I'm like a nerd. Please let me know if you have any. So, yeah, I'm going to get right into the podcast. I'm going to talk about what OCD is who it affects. And hopefully in like an episode down the road, I really want to talk about like, um, I want to talk about brain structure and all the areas that are affected because through time and research, people have really understood that it truly is a mind-body connection and that it is a physical thing. But definitely just understand that it is a physical as well as physiological and internal illness. So let's go ahead and get right into it. I also just want to let you guys know that people experience things very differently and please understand that this is just like a basic definition and there are all there's a whole range of experiences that people have with different disorders and so again just remember I'm giving like the basic definition of OCD and I also just want to do a little disclaimer really quick that I'm not sharing this story for attention or pity or anything. I'm sharing this um, as a very traumatic story of my childhood that I am this is the first time like telling it to anyone and so I'm going to be sharing this part of my life this very hard part of my life. And the reason why I'm sharing it is because I finally feel comfortable with doing so. And that's huge for me because it was something that my family and I kept a secret for a while because honestly, I was 
not even joking, like I was so scared when I was younger that if I said a word about what I was experiencing in my mind, I was like, I'm going to be locked up. Like I'm terrified. And for a while, I still was scared of what people would think of what I experienced in different people's opinions and all that. And I truly didn't start feeling okay with what happened when I was younger until recently, actually. At the end of one of my group exercise classes, someone came up to me and asked me about the affirmation, which if you listened to if you listened to the first podcast episode, you heard me say it at the end, and that's something that I also say at the end of all of my classes. And this lady asked me if it had something to do with mental health, and we got into a pretty deep conversation really fast, and she told me about this blog with OCD, and it was someone who actually experienced something that was similar to what I experienced with OCD and I was so happy because I finally felt like 10 years later after this experience, the psychosis that I had and just being so traumatized from it and just never talking about it, I finally felt like, oh my God, I'm not the only one who went through something like that. And so the reason why I really want to share this is because not only do I want to share what I've learned and how it has affected my life and get awareness for how mental illness overall affects people's lives, I also want I hope that if anyone is struggling with something similar, like you know that you are not the only one going through that because it took me so long to find someone who was open about it and open about this kind of experience with their mind and it's really hard to talk about. Like this is not easy to share at all. And so please just be kind. Let's share kind, positive words and positive vibes, please. So yeah, so OCD, I'm going to start with that. OCD stands for obsessive compulsive disorder, as I previously mentioned. And so you start with the obsession, which typically is a very intrusive thought, depending on, you know, different people's experiences. It may be an intrusive thought and that causes a lot of anxiety. And it's usually like an intrusive thought about something. So for example, like if I was having thoughts about this house that I'm living in being super dirty and having a bunch of germs everywhere and I'm going to get super duper sick. So that's my obsession is these thoughts that are coming into my mind. And the reason why they are labeled as an obsession is because they are nonstop, they are constant, and they're causing this anxiety that is keeping me from performing daily things and from functioning normally. It's impairing And it's scary because you have no control over your mind or your thoughts. And so then typically you have your compulsion, which is the obsessive compulsive part. So the compulsive compulsion is what you do to relieve that uneasy feeling, that anxiety. So what you may do for that dirty house that is giving you a lot of anxiety and intrusive thoughts, you might start excessively cleaning and you can't stop until it's a certain amount of time you spend cleaning or, you know, however it's measured in your mind, however it is set up. And it's hard because you can't do anything about it. And that's how it feels. Like there's things that you can do to get better. And people know that they're struggling with something. Like no one wants to feel this way. And I think that's the hardest part when people are trying to understand what someone's going through. People don't choose to have a mental disorder and it's really hard like the thoughts that you're coming that are coming into your mind like you have no control over those and just like that like your mind your brain is your holy grail and just losing control over that is just absolutely terrifying so that's kind of what it is it typically affects 
more women than it does men, but it is stronger. It is like there's more extreme cases typically in men than there are in women. Women typically have like an average um, or moderate experience with it. And then men typically have an earlier onset of OCD and then it lasts for longer and is more extreme. But, you know, everyone has a different experience. For me, again, I had a very extreme experience when I was younger. And so that was just my history with it. And it's also around 1% of adults who experience OCD. That is more than you think. And that is crazy to think about. I think that more people are becoming open to statistics and being open with it, but 1%, that's a lot, and that's just talking about, like, adults. Like, I was trying to find a measure for children. I'm sure that there's one out there, but I just couldn't find one when I was looking at stuff for this episode, and so I just thought that I would share those quick little facts with you guys, and I'm probably going to do that as I share my other experiences as well, just kind of give like an overview because I think it's interesting and it's important to understand what the heck I'm talking about. And also just, um, because I want people to learn and I want people to be curious and want to know more. Another thing that I wanted to discuss briefly is the DSM and the OCD's place in the DSM. So for those of you who don't know, DSM stands for Diagnostic statistical measure of mental disorders and basically it's like the dictionary of mental disorders or the encyclopedia if you want to call it whatever you want Um, but it lists all of the definitions of mental illnesses and goes over all those and we are currently on the dsm-5 and so when i was diagnosed it was the dsm-4 so ocd actually was in a class of anxiety disorders however now newly in the dsm-5 It is labeled in its own class called Obsessive, Compulsive, and Related Disorders. I believe that is the full name. I might be wrong, but that I know that it at least has Obsessive, Compulsive, Related Disorders. So yeah, that's kind of changes that have been done with that. I'm still trying to like under, trying to understand it because for me, I see it as an anxiety disorder because my personal experience, I had horrible panic attacks from my experience with OCD. And so we're just going to get right into it. We're going to start talking about the story. So it all began with my family's trip to Iowa. We have family in Iowa, and so we decided to take a 15-hour car trip, which was nice on the way there because I slept. However, I got horrible food poisoning and was stuck inside drinking ginger ale, eating crackers, and throwing up for (laughs) several days. So I missed a lot of the trip. It's funny if you like see pictures, people are like, were you on this trip? I'm like, yes, I was. I was inside and I was very um, ill. (laughs) And so I got pretty sick from that. And then on the way home is when it all started. I was in this car and my brother was sleeping and, you know, I think my mom was like asleep in the front passenger seat and my dad was driving and I just started getting this really uneasy feeling in my chest and my stomach and my head and it felt like I was like suffocating almost. It was an overbearing heat in my body and tingling and I just felt nauseous and anxious and it was horrible and I tried to roll down the window to get some air and we stopped every three hours to get gas and I remember I would get out of the car And I would walk around and I didn't really say anything to my parents because I didn't know what was going on. I was like, what the heck is this? And yeah, we, I remember my brother and I had like this little 
DVD player. It was so small. I bet the screen is the size of like an 8 plus, like an iPhone 8 plus. And we watched like the Transformers movie on it, but I couldn't focus on it. I couldn't focus on anything. And I couldn't breathe. Like it, it felt like stuffy. And even though I could get all the air in the world, I was walking around outside. I had the window down. I just felt like I couldn't breathe. And I was really scared. I remember having like a, an, um, elastic hair tie on my wrist and I like snapped it against my wrist because I was like, am I like real? Like, is this real? Like I did that because I felt like numb, like my body just felt numb and it was just not a good sensation at all. And I was 11 years old and you know, once we got home, I just didn't think about it anymore and life went on for the next few weeks. And then I got another one and I started to realize that that was my first panic attack. And for those of you who don't know, panic attacks are a, there's a thing called panic disorder and panic attacks are like clinically termed. They're an actual thing. And this past year I actually had someone in my class who was talking and they were like, yeah, I've never had a panic attack before, but like I've been super anxious and like hearing someone say that, um, meant the world because panic attacks are something like not to joke around about. It makes me mad when people are like, oh, like, yeah, I totally had a panic attack. And I'm like, you literally did it. Um, panic attacks, for those of you who don't know, a lot of people who go to the hospital, I think I read a statistic that was like 80% of people who go to the hospital who think that they have a heart attack, they're actually just having a panic attack. So that's how much of a physiological reaction it is. And it's terrifying. And I had that at freaking 11 years old. And so I had another one a few weeks later and I remember going to my mom and being like, I don't know what's going on. Like, I don't know why I'm freaking out. And slowly but surely, the intrusive thoughts began. I started having the most abstract thoughts coming into my mind and they were about everything. It was almost like my mind found everything that I could possibly do wrong and like to the extreme. And so basically, if I was, you know, at the cash register with my parents and they were like putting their credit card in the little pin pad or putting their pin number in, like my mind would tell me like, oh, you stole their pin thing and you stole money from your parents. Or it would tell me like I robbed banks. It would tell me all these crazy things that it would just come up with. And it's just it's insane to me to even like talk about because I can never explain it because unless you experience it, you can't really explain it. So I'm really trying my best here, you guys. But these thoughts were coming in and I would just have anxiety attack over and over and over. I call them anxiety attacks. They are called panic attacks. But when I was little, I called them anxiety attacks because that's what they were to me. They were horrible. And I would just be bawling and they started to become a daily thing. And I was constantly crying. I didn't want to go out and do anything because I didn't want to have a thought about it. I didn't want to be away from my parents because that they were the only thing that made me feel better. And I had to tell them what was going on because that made me feel better. And so I really isolated myself socially. I didn't like to talk to any friends. I didn't like to use my new phone that I got. I hated it. I didn't want to text on it. I didn't want to talk to anyone because I didn't want to have a thought about it. If I was texting someone, I had my parents look at it because I wanted them to see everything. I remember every morning I would have M&M pancakes. My dad would make me M&M pancakes for breakfast and then I would go to school 
I wouldn't eat my lunch. I would maybe eat some of my peanut butter sandwich and then maybe I'd eat dinner depending on if I was talking that day because I would have days where I just completely shut down and the only time I would talk is if I had a thought and eventually we got to the point where my parents, you know, this was a few weeks after when the panic attacks started becoming daily. They were like, we need help. We need to figure out what is going on with her. So they took me to my pediatrician because they didn't know what to do. And I hope, I hope that one day I can, you know, create a program for parents and just say like, if your child is struggling with this or that, this, these are the steps that you can take, um, in order to figure out what's going on. Because I feel so bad that my parents really struggled because they felt like they didn't know who to go to or how to approach the situation and how to help their kid. So we went to the pediatrician and I remember sitting down in the room. I told her everything. I told her about my thoughts and I was so convinced that, you know what, this is what's going to get me help. This is what's going to make it done because my mindset was, yes, this is happening, but I do not want to feel this way. I hated not being socially extroverted and doing things. I hated feeling so closed in and my world just felt a million times smaller than what it was. And I was just a kid. I was 11 years old. And so we went to my pediatrician. I told her everything and she didn't say anything really. And then she let my mom come in. She said she needs to go to a psychiatrist and I have some numbers for therapists also. So before we went to the psychiatrist, which for some of you who don't know, psychiatrists are people who deal with um, the medicine part when it comes to like mental health and mental illness. And they can sometimes do like therapy and stuff too, depending on who they are and what they practice and what they do. But for me, I've always had like my therapist and then my psychiatrist. And so I went to the therapist, my first therapist, and I remember where it is. I remember the room. I remember her name. I can never remember her face. I, even when I was younger and I would be going to my appointment, I would totally forget what she looked like. And I remember the first day I told her everything and she thought for a moment, didn't say anything. And then she said, looked to my mom and said, I think she has OCD, which is obsessive compulsive disorder. Her obsession is these intrusive thoughts that are coming into her mind and impairing her function, her daily functions and being able to live her life. And her compulsion is to tell you guys, which were my parents. And so our first thing was to do CBT, which was cognitive behavioral therapy, which is typically used for people who struggle with OCD. So this probably would have worked if I was older, but from my perspective, I was just so young. I didn't understand therapy. I didn't get what it was. And I'm definitely going to do an episode on what therapy is because, again, I think that there's a lot of misconceptions about it. And there's different types of therapy too. And so again, we did CBT, which basically says that if you change the way you think, you change the way you behave. So my course of action was for me to not confess my thoughts, which would in turn make the thoughts go away. That was like the mindset that she had and what she thought was going to happen. Newsflash, hint, hint, it did not. And so I continued to struggle And this started to hurt my relationship with my parents because I would get so mad at them for not letting me tell them what was going on in my mind. And again, realized that they were just doing what the therapist told them. 
they were like, this is what's going to help her. This is what's going to make the thoughts go away is if we tell her, um, we can't confess the thoughts, but we'll sit with you like through these anxious times and we're going to get through it. It was never like, nope. You know, it was none of that. Like my parents worked very hard to get me help. They ordered books constantly. They kept track of everything. There were notebooks downstairs just filled with all of the things and all of my papers and everything. Like they worked very hard to get me help. So by now, I was going to therapy once a week. It was every Wednesday I would get picked up early from school. I remember leaving class early and people would be like, where are you going? Why do you get to leave every week early? And I just remember being like, I have a doctor's appointment and I didn't say anything else because I didn't want anyone to find out. That was like my worst fear. And so I would go to that appointment with my parents. I would... I think even the beginning, like I might've been going twice a week. It was so bad. And I would go there for an hour or an hour and a half, sometimes two hours. And I would work with my therapist and things just got worse. I wasn't improving. I was experiencing more severe panic attacks multiple times a day and I was exhausted. I don't know. I I cried and I'm saying this like, you know, because it's true. Like, I I honestly don't know how I cried as much as I did. And that breaks my heart because I just remember like at one point just being so tired that I couldn't even cry. And I was like laying in my, my head was like in my mom's lap. And I was like, I am just so tired. And I was 11 years old. And I, if you look back at any of like the pictures during this time in my life, my eyes are always red because I probably had a panic attack earlier in that day. And it, there's like this one Christmas picture we have of like my brother and I in front of the tree. And like, I cannot look at it. We take it every, we take that kind of picture every year around the holidays. And it always makes me so sad because I remember that night so well. And my brother, you know, they didn't want him to see me like this because I mean, it's really hard when you have multiple kids and one of them suffering with a mental illness, like mental illness affects the whole family. And it's hard to figure out like, what do you tell your kid who's even younger than the kid who's already really young experiencing this? So, you know, he, again, I mentioned in my first episode, he's like my best friend and he would always come in like after when I was like kind of calming down and he would like come give me a hug and try to distract me. And that was always really helpful, but I'm just so thankful because I don't know what I would have done without my brother during these times. And He really helped me get through them as much as he may or may not know that. He really, really helped with that. So as I got worse, I remember like family get-togethers. I was always in the previous years like running around with my family and my cousins and just doing dumb stuff because you're a kid and like you're rolling around outside in the mud and like your nice outfit during the holidays. And I just remember not doing anything and not really talking to my cousins and just staying right dad, right by my mom or dad's side. And I remember they were like, are you like, why don't you want to play? Why don't you want to go play Barbies? Why don't you want to like go run around outside and play football? And I would just be like, I don't feel well. Like I need to stay with my dad because I could not be away from them at all. Even when I came home from school, the first thing I did, my dad um, works from home because he used to have to like commute to his job, but that was just like too much when we moved to where we live now. And so he has his office downstairs and it used to like be set up with the guest room too. So there used to be a bed. And I remember like he would be working and I would just like lay down there and do my homework. And 
um, because I just couldn't ever be by myself. And all I did was go to school, then go to soccer, which was a whole other story because that was super hard on me socially too. I remember just like not really wanting to talk to anyone, not wanting to, just wanting to play, wanting to not goof around. And um, because I was scared of having a thought, I, I had a hard time. It was really hard on me. And don't get me wrong, I had some good memories. And that's definitely, you know, I loved the game, but I still don't feel like I truly got my deserved time with that sport because it was my escape for the longest time. And it was really hard for me. And I it's I can't even talk about it. I'll I'll talk about like sports psychology in a different episode, but that was a lot for me to go through at that time. And soccer was my escape and I would come home crying from that too every day because it just wasn't good. So eventually we got to the point where I just had so many breakdowns that were way worse than the ones that I had already been experiencing, which was already just horrible in itself. And I remember one in particular where I got so frustrated with the therapy program that I was put in and not talking to my parents for several days, and I just lost it. I just completely threw everything around in my room and made a mess and my parents came in and I was just screaming and crying and just saying I can't do this anymore I'm done there has to be something else that we do and so medicine had been brought up earlier on but you know I mean it's a lot to put your kid on an antidepressant especially at 11 years old and we wanted to wait and see if I got better with therapy on its own but you know, we got to the point where we were like, it's not, she's not even in a good enough state to be able to do therapy because therapy is work and therapy is really hard. It's hard to work on yourself and trying to change your mindset. And I didn't even understand half of it. I was too young to understand and too young to be experiencing what I experienced. So we went to the psychiatrist. We, I remember this man was um, the first person that I had as a psychiatrist, and I just remember being curled up in a chair. I was so small. My head was resting on the side, and I remember like hiding under my hair, and my mom was like rubbing my back, sitting in the chair next to me, and I was just sobbing because he was trying to get me to do the first step and admitting that my thoughts weren't true, and I couldn't do it. And I remember him saying, Cameron, you're going to get through this. I grew up with OCD too. I got through this and we're going to get you through this. And I remember that to this day. And so that's why for me, you know, when I tell people like, you're going to get through it, you got this because I know that it, I hope that it sticks with someone. And that was just such a moving moment for me, even though I couldn't do it yet, even though I wasn't there yet, that was a glimpse, a glimmer of hope, like hearing that someone had gone through, not necessarily what I had gone through, but had been diagnosed with the same thing and he got better. So like I could get better too. And that was the mindset that I really tried to keep during this hard time. That's the thing too. That's really interesting to me is I did really well in school. Like granted, yes, it was sixth grade. All right. We all know that is middle school, but School is like my escape for me. And so that's one thing, like when you're looking to someone who's struggling, like even though they might be doing well in school, you know, that might be their escape from like what else is going on. So like just, you know, keep an eye out on people if you think that they're having a time, a bad time. 
just because they're doing well in school, like, doesn't mean that they're necessarily doing a bad time. Because that's one of the things that they asked me too. Like, how is she doing, like, grade wise and sleep wise? Like, I got sleep and I did well in school, but you know. So, moving on from that, um, they first decided to prescribe me Ativan and holy smokes. For those of you who don't know, Ativan is used for other things also. It's sometimes used for allergic reactions and it can be used in surgery also sometimes. And so that kind of like shows you the physiological reaction that I was having. Like that's how like my body was literally hyperventilating and the strength of this medicine, the fact that I was taking it at 11 daily, it's an as-needed medicine, but I have the notebook right here. The time, the date, the prescribed amount that I was taking um, that my mom kept track of because she wanted to keep track of all this. I have it all written down right here. I took it January 27th, 2011. That's the first time I took Ativan at 4 o'clock, 4 p.m. I took it January 28th, January 30th, twice on January 31st, February 1st, February 2nd, all these dates. And it just breaks my heart. Like it just, you know, cause I have my as needed medicine now, but I take that not nearly as often, maybe like once a month or maybe once every two months or something like that. But just the fact that that's how bad it was, it just makes me sad. And so a few weeks after that was when we decided to start the daily medicine, which was Prozac that is typically used for um, obsessive compulsive disorder. That's like a common medicine used for that. Again, everyone has different brain interactions. Going to be talking about medications. Don't worry, we will get to that. But we started me on a low dose because, again, for those of you who don't know, sorry that I keep saying that, but like I just want to make sure that everyone feels included and understands the process because I feel like a lot of people don't know the process. So for some of these medicines, especially antidepressants, you have to be really, really careful with like getting started. So you start at a certain dose and then you increase over time because it's like literally dealing with your neurotransmitters. So that's pretty serious business. And so I started with like a low dose and then I increased over time. And what the psychiatrist told us, I remember was that it was going to take three months for this to work. Now, Prozac is an SSRI, and for those of you who don't know, that is a selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor. So basically, it's exactly what it says it is. And there's like SSRIs and SNRIs and all these different types of medicines. I'm going to talk about all those, but these things take time to make changes to how your brain is working and functioning. And you know, it got to the point where I was just like willing to do absolutely anything and my family was willing to do anything. And luckily over time, I was very, you know, fortunate that I started to improve and was able to feel some peace. You know, Ativan would literally knock me out. I would be asleep right after I, you know, my body, I would stop crying and I would just like slowly fall asleep and was able to sleep off the rest of what I was experiencing and to finally feel like, you know, like catch my breath because I was exhausted. I was so tired of fighting and I turned 12 in these months in February, I turned 12. And I remember like the spring, like a few months after, I believe it was like April or May probably. And I finally felt peace because I didn't have a panic that day. I didn't have a panic attack. 
next few months I finally started to feel a lot better. I turned 12 and started a new chapter in my life. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but a few months after I turned 12, because I turned 12 in February, I all the uh, like abstract thoughts just went away and the the anxiousness anxiety eventually within a few years developed into like generalized anxiety disorder and like depression was like I will talk about but in terms of my OCD I'm very fortunate that I don't have to deal with those traumatic situations anymore and I'm very grateful for the love and support that my family gave me and I'm very grateful for the relationships that all of us have with each other now because we're all like just so much stronger because of going through that and we went through it as a team and that's how I think of it and my team has always been there for me and they're always going to be there for me I'm very grateful for them and it's just made me appreciate moments like just feeling peace and breath and f feeling free and you know spending time with my family and making time for them and you know just understanding that you can't judge someone by you know how they come across to you how they look or anything like I know it's like basic or whatever but you really don't know everyone's story you don't know what people have gone through you don't know why someone might come into work and they're super quiet and you're like why are they like mad at me they're not they may not be mad at you they might be having a horrible day and if you said hi to them or something like maybe that would be the best part of their day so you know that's Honestly, what going through OCD has taught me is you have to understand that like everyone goes through their own thing. Everyone has their own struggles and you can't compare your struggles to anyone else's because everyone has their own struggle for a reason. The universe doesn't put anything on you that you can't handle. I have to tell myself that all the time. So understand like, you know, if you're really, really struggling, you must be really freaking strong because you're not brought here just to be destroyed. That's not how life works. That's not how any of this works. So understand that you are tough and things are going to work out and things are going to be okay. Another thing that I have also learned just through going through all of that and like appreciating like being calm and feeling like peace inside this quote that I love and it's if it costs you your peace, it's too expensive. And I've had to carry that into my anxiety disorder as well. And just going off of that because you, again, don't know what people are going through. And you have to focus on yourself. You have to prioritize yourself and your peace, your happiness. Everything comes first because you, your relationship with yourself is what you have your whole life. And once you like start seeing yourself as a person, it is a whole different ball game. And that's like another thing that I have learned from my experience with OCD too is that finding what works for me and what doesn't work for me in terms of, okay, I have to do what's best for me. What was best for me during those times was to not be super social and to be around my parents. And that's okay. That's how I coped with what I was going through. If I was like, my phone is going to give me anxiety, you know what? Nope, we're just not going to go on our phone. And I have taken that into other other areas of my life also. You know, if all my friends are going out, um, I'm in college. So, you know, sometimes like if all my friends are going out and I'm like, yeah, I'm down, like I'd be okay with going out. Or if I'm just having a really hard time, like going out on the town is not going to make me feel better. 
I might feel excited for a second and then the second I get there, I'm just going to be like, I don't want to be here. I want to be in my bed, cozied up under a warm blanket. And so, you know, it, it depends on the timing. It depends on what you're doing, but just, you know, doing, I always say, you know, and I'm sorry, like another thing I need to stop saying, um, like, but I'm working on that. I'm working on the sound. I know there are areas in this podcast, again, totally off topic right now, but I know that there's areas in this podcast where like volume gets lower and higher. Again, please bear with me. I'm trying to figure everything out. I'm trying to get better at just talking without having interruptions and pausing and saying buts, ums, and everything. But see, there it is. I just really want to make sure that I get all of my thoughts out there and I share everything that I want to share because the stuff is really, really important to me. So going back to what I was saying, focusing on yourself and focusing on what's good for you and taking things day by day. That's something that my family and I did every day. And that was our mantra as we grew up, as my brother and I grew up together. What do we need today? Is today a harder day? Am I going through something currently? I know that mornings are typically where I feel more anxious and I need to not go on my phone in the morning. Maybe I need to just go on a run early before I can even think about it or plan the rest of my day. How are you going to approach what you're going through in order to get through it and improve and feel better? How are you going to tackle the situation? How are you going to take it on? And it's really hard to develop that mindset. I understand when you're in such a dark place and you're like, well, there's no point in doing it because I'm never going to get better. You can't think like that. Like You go through those hard times and you let those hard times pass and you know what? That's just part of going through it. That's part of having a mental illness. You're going to have those moments where you start to sink down a little deeper again and you're like, I was doing so well and now here we are. And that's how I felt like after I had my OCD and I started falling back into my anxiety, depression and getting something new, I felt kind of hopeless. Like what the heck? I just defeated this mental illness. But what I literally realized today years later was if I could defeat that, I can defeat these. And here I am fighting like five, six years later, we're still on a roll. We're still, you know, it's not easy. I am better now than I was this morning. I was like, I'm just not good. This is not going to go well. I'm, you know, and I'm lucky that I have family and friends around me that are just saying, you know what, keep pushing, keep going. Cause that's what people need to hear is to keep fighting and everything's going to be okay. So thank you guys so much. That was a lot. Thank you for listening to my story. It was really hard to share, but I feel like a sense of relief and feel like I'm truly getting my true self out there now that people know my past and my family's past and what we went through. And so I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I'm going to be talking about other things in my next episode. If you would like to give me ideas or anything, definitely go check out my social media. I have an Instagram at mybravebrain. You can send me messages or sometimes I do like little swipe up story thingies. That's totally the right technological term, but you can just give me like suggestions or anything, but I love talking to people. So definitely reach out. And I hope you guys have a great rest of your day, whatever time of day it is for you. And I'm going to say my little affirmation. I hope you know that you are loved, you are enough, you are worth it, and you're exactly supposed to be right now. Thank you guys for listening, and I will see you in the next episode.